That is amazing. Who is that? Where are you at? Where are you at? <clears throat> so cool. I'm going to tell you what. This morning when Duncan and I were up here, there were some dudes over here that like they know God's word. Like they're little dudes and I'm like, wow, way to go, dads. Way to go, family. Like, like to make that investment is like so cool. And then two years ago, this is like the, one of the cool stories for me personally. Two years ago, we were up at Truck Haven. And we're just taking a break up there and getting a little bit of water and had our helmets off and we're walking around. And I noticed this dad and his son, they kind of look over and then they walk over to me and they go, did you speak last year? I went, yeah. And I put out my hand. And I introduced myself again. And then the next words out of his mouth were so cool. He says, 18 summers. And I went, you remembered. He goes, how could I forget? Like 18 summers, this window of time that we have, right, with, a, with our family, our kids, to, to invest in them and for kids to be a part of a family in such a special and unique way. And this morning, uh, as Duncan and I were up here and we were talking about this idea of what does it look like for a family first, God first, leadership, family. Oh, what, what does that look like? And the question that I asked you this morning was, who is raising your kids? And every day at school, I, I look in the face of these kids and I just go, wow. Like somebody is making a difference in their life and it's not always a good difference. Like I share with you, even in that second grade class, sometimes these kids come to class and they're like, they're saying stuff. They go, they're second graders. They're seven years old. And it's like, whoa. Some of the stuff that they're saying, some of the stuff that they're doing, some of the stuff that they're mimicking, it's crazy. And then last night, uh, we asked that question, is your home a home worth running home to? Uh, is your home, like, like in the story of the prodigal son, one of those homes where you go, man, I, if everything goes south, I know I can go home. And my home will be there for me. And tonight, I, I want to just lay the, the table out real quickly and just say this. Uh, tonight, I believe is the night that God has already said, I'm going to do something amazing. I'm going to do something with this group here at Dirt tonight in the life of some guys that are just at a place where they're ready to take a step forward and say, it's my time. It's my turn. Uh, a, few, a few years ago, Duncan and I were, were heading south. We're, we got across the border uh, from Calexico into Mexicali. We were heading down to our place down on the Sea of Cortez. And, and as we're, we're boogieing down there, we, we cross the border and we start to make our way down on the east border crossing. And all of a sudden, I looked at Duncan and I said, Duncan, there's something wrong with our truck. I feel like the wheels are falling off. He's going, whoa. And, and, and it's like this shaking was taking place as we're driving down this road, just through the streets of Mexicali. And all of a sudden, we looked up and we saw that these big light poles that were just shaking violently back and forth. And I said, Duncan, I think we're in the middle of an earthquake. And we looked over and there were the facades of buildings were crumbling and falling down to the ground all around us. And we're, we're just shaking down the road going, this is crazy. And, and water was bubbling up from the ground. And all of a sudden, the highways were buckling and there were rock slides all throughout the Mexicali Valley. I said, Duncan, 
This is out of control. This is crazy. I, I don't even know what to do right now. We're just, we finally, because all of this traffic trying to come north, and we were trying to go south, and finally we get behind a police car, and he had his lights going, and we got right on his tail as he is just kind of clearing this path for us. And finally we made it to our destination. I was thinking how sometimes in our families, we all get to the place, us included, where we get to a place where we feel just out of control. Where we feel like the, the, the messiness of life and the messiness of what's going on around us is just beyond anything we can do. And I think that's exactly what happened with this young man that we've been talking about who, who, who said to his dad, Dad, just give me my inheritance, and I'm out. And if you know anything about Hebrew culture during this time, when Jesus was telling the story, he was making a very clear statement that this young man, this young son, who his father had poured 18 summers of life into, providing for him and caring for him, and when his son said, Dad, give me my inheritance, it was like the son was looking at his father and saying, I wish you were dead. And it was this young son, as we talked about, who finally, when he was, when he was hired to just feed pigs, looked down into a, a pool of water and he saw his reflection and it says in the scriptures that he, when he came to his senses he realized how far he had sunk and so he took a risk he, he, he took a risk not having any idea how it would go and he said maybe just maybe if I return home to my father and I said, Father, I, I am not even worthy to be called your son any longer. Would you at least take me in as a slave, as one of your servants? And so he mustered up all the courage that he could get, and he, and he started to make his way back home. And he took a risk, and he had no idea how his father would respond. All he knew is that his home, in his father's home, hopefully, maybe, would be a place of grace and a place of love and a place of forgiveness. And as he turned that corner and as he, and he began to make his way down that final stretch of the road, I, I wonder if in his mind he began to say, I just can't, I can't do this. Uh, the risk is too great. I... I, I I'm just going to go back. But something inside of him, maybe recalling during those 18 summers of his life, how much his father had cared for him, how much his father had provided for him, how much his father had loved him. He just kept going forward. And as he gets ready to reach down and to, to unlatch the gate and, and to, to, to enter into his father's property, 
What he saw next caught him off guard. Because what he saw next was not his worst possible situation, his worst possible scenario, his, his greatest fear being lived out. What he saw next was something that no Hebrew father would ever do. It was that he lifted his robe and this dad just began to run towards his son. And I wonder how many sleepless nights the father would just walk back and forth across the porch wondering about and praying for and, and just missing and longing for his son who had left home. And his son, as he walks forward and as a father, as he is racing down the road, he grabs his son, he embraces his son, he hugs his son. And then the son who had said to his dad, dad, I wish you were dead, begins to recite his speech. Father, I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Would you just bring me back as one of your hired servants. And he stopped. And his eyes lifted up and he looked into the eyes of his father. And I wonder if what he was expecting, what he was expecting to hear was like, son, how could you dare do this. Son, you don't even know how deeply this hurt. You don't know how great the letdown and the disappointment is. Son. And as he's bracing himself just to, to, to hear the impact of his father's response. His father just said, welcome home, son. I love you so much. And I'm sure it took a while for the full weight and the gravity of that statement and that expression of the father's love and grace and forgiveness to sink in. And for him to realize, my dad loves me. My dad cares about me. My dad, for whatever reason, is, is willing to look past my mistakes and willing to look past my letdowns and my disappointments and, and all of the things that I have done to wrong my father. And maybe what I love about this story is when Jesus told this story, he was just making it up. But the story had a purpose. 
And the purpose of the story was simply to, to let that crowd, to let, let those people, to let those who were listening to Jesus tell this story realize that the story was about them. That the story was about those that thought they were so righteous and, and those that knew that they had messed up and those that knew that they had made mistakes and those that knew that they had sinned and that they had sinned against our Heavenly Father. And in the audience, I, I wonder if there was this, this, this moment where all of a sudden those that thought they were so right and, and so altogether realized that their self-righteousness was going to get them nowhere when it came to Jesus. And I also wonder if there were those in the audience that said, thank God for his grace and for his love and for his mercy and for his forgiveness. If you fast forward in the, the gospel of Luke, Luke's writing of the story of Jesus. And if you get to the end of his writing, the end of his story, we see Jesus not telling a story, but living out a story in real time. It was a real, real story of his execution, of his crucifixion. Luke writes down that Jesus was taken to this, the place of the skull, Golgotha, and that he was nailed to a cross. And as Luke writes this story, he also includes a man that was to his left and a man that was to his right. They were two thieves. And as Jesus is there on a cross, dying for a crime that he did not commit, he was an innocent man, the son of God. People were taunting him. People were yelling at him. You call yourself the Messiah, then save yourself. Come down from that cross. And he listened to the jeers and he listened to all of those that would just shake a fist at Jesus, the Messiah. The one who said, I did not come for me. I came for you. And then one of the thieves starts to chirp at Jesus as well. Hey, Jesus. So you're the son of God, then save yourself. And while you're at it, why don't you save us too? And the other thief, who knew he was guilty, who knew he had messed up, who, who knew that the crimes that he had committed were real, simply said to Jesus in humility, Jesus, would you remember me? when you return to your father. 
Jesus said, my friend, today you will be with me in paradise. Paul, who had become a follower of Jesus, wrote in his letter to the Romans. And in chapter 5 of that letter, he said that our Father, that God had demonstrated his love for you and I. That while you and I were sinful people, stiff-arming God and saying, God, we're just going to do it on our own. That he sent his son Jesus to die for us to take our sin bucket and to empty it out and to absorb our debt and to pay it once and for all. You see, the son took a risk when he returned home. But the point of Jesus' story was that we're invited to take that same risk. That we're invited to to go before our Father in heaven and to say, Father, yes. Would you take care of my sin debt? Would you forgive me? Because I cannot give what I do not possess. And I cannot lead my family unless I am being led by you. And every time anybody comes to Jesus and says, would you let me in? Would you let me be a part of your family? Would you, would you enter into my life and change me? And allow me to become all that you've designed me to be and all that you've made me to be? And I've got a past. And Jesus says, I know. That's why I died on a cross. I didn't come for perfect people. Because there aren't any. I came for people who have messy lives. Who have made mistakes. Who have, like the son in this story, have have turned their back on the father. But who are willing to turn and to run back to the father. And say, dad, would you please take me back? A few years ago, I was speaking at a camp over on Catalina Island, and I love speaking at camps at Catalina Island because it's beautiful. Man, we get to play in the water, and the water is crystal clear, and it's so fun, and, and there were all of these students at this camp, and it was just so fun to be with them, and I would speak in the morning, and I would speak at night, and, and I remember back in the back corner, there was this one young man. His name was Mike. And I watched Mike during every one of our meetings, just sitting there kind of with his arms crossed, just kind of like, dude, when is this going to be over? 
And I love those kind of challenges because to me, it's like, okay, what's going on in his life? What's going on in, in, in Mike's life that, that is just at this place where he's just kind of shut everything down? And, and the next day, I'm out, out on the dock, and, and we're kind of messing around. We've got the boats running around, and kids are jumping in the water, having a blast. And, and Mike's there on the dock, and I just walked over to Mike, and I leaned against the rail, and I looked Mike in the eye, and I said, Mike, I said, how are you doing? He said, hey, speaker, dude. I said, hey, Mike, dude. I said, Mike, is anything I'm saying making sense to you about God's love for you and, and our love for you? And he goes, I just can't buy it. It doesn't sound real. And the next night at our meeting, Mike was still sitting back in his same corner and he's kind of there with his arms crossed. And it's like, man, Lord, just like, just reach Mike, whatever's going on in his life. And, and the next day, Mike's back out on the pier again. And I walk over to him and I say, hey, Mike, dude. And he's, hey, speaker, dude. And, and Mike, you got to understand, he was this big, burly dude. And man, he had like tats up and down his arms. And I, I knew he had a story. And so I asked him, I said, Mike, what's your story? And he looked up and he looked at me and he says, you really want to know my story? He says, my story is a mess. He said, I have been bounced around from foster care family to foster care family. Nobody wants me. Nobody cares about me. And so I just keep doing stupid things just to prove them right. I said, Mike, thank you for sharing. I said, and I want you to know that all of that stuff, it doesn't change God's love for you and it doesn't change our love for you. I said, yeah, right. He goes walking back down the dock. Boom, boom, ba-doom, boom, ba-doom. Well, that night was our last night of camp. It was our last opportunity to be, get, be together in a setting like this. And it was on that night that I knew I was going to give an invitation for, for all of these students to say yes to Jesus. To say, you know what, it's time. I, I, I want to just say, yeah, Jesus, I want in. I want to be part of your family. Would you come in and just forgive my sins and the mess that's in my life? And I always get so fired up on that night because I know God is going to be at work. And so I get to the end of the message and, and I kind of look out at this, this group of students and I said, hey, here's what we're going to do. I said, if you feel like maybe God has just been kind of kind of nudging you and speaking to you and encouraging you and, and loving you and gracing you and forgiving you and, and all of the things that God is so good at doing. I said, maybe tonight, this is your time, your night, to say yes to him and to receive that gift of salvation, that gift of eternal life, that gift of love, and to allow him to start writing a brand new story in your life. And so I go through all of that, and, and then I said, everybody bow your heads and close your eyes, and, and everybody does that, and, and I kind of share a little bit, and, and I said, and tonight's the night, man, I just want you to stand up. 
and just take that risk that God will see you and he'll love you and he'll accept you and he'll forgive you and he'll bring you into his family. So I said, if that's your time, then, then let's go. And I watched students begin to stand and, and stand and stand and stand and stand. It was like, whoa, God, it was at work. But as exciting as it was to see what God was doing in all the lives of these students as he was beginning to write a brand new story in their lives, my eyes couldn't help but go back to the corner and back to my new friend, Mike. And I just kind of stared. He was, he was sitting against his wall, facing sideways next to his counselor. And all of a sudden, I watched this big, giant man who was just a boy turn to his counselor and began to squeeze him. And I was going, oh, this is going to hurt. And I went, God... He's so good and he's so faithful that he has reached down and he has touched the life of Mike, who was a messy. Well, what happened next, I was not prepared for. Because what happened next is Mike stood up. And as all the other students had already returned to their seats, he began to walk forward towards me. And I was thinking to myself, like, like, is he going to deck me? Like, is he going to like, just knock me out? Like, what is going on? Like, like, should I run? Should I like what? And he just kept coming. And as he got closer and closer, I was, I was kind of looking in, in my blurry vision. And, and I realized, man, Mike just had like tears streaming down his face. And, and he got closer and closer. And finally, he was standing right in front of me. And I was kind of like, Gulp. like, what's going to happen next? And Mike could care less about everybody else that was in the audience. It was just he and I in that moment. And he stood there right in front of me and he leaned over and he grabbed me and I held my breath to try to keep as much oxygen as I could. And he just squeezed me and he buried his head in my shoulder and he just began to sob. And it was as if time stopped. And you could have heard a pin drop because the moment was so powerful and after what seemed like minutes, Mike finally stopped just trembling. And he lifted his face. And it was a mess. And he looked me right in the eye through his blurry eyes. And all he said was, thanks, speaker dude. And I went, you're welcome, Mike. Welcome to the family. And I said, Mike, I know these 18 summers for you have been rough.
But I also know that impossible is the absence of God. And Mike, you are now entering into the world of the possible. Where God is going to redeem and he's going to mend and he's going to heal and he's going to restore and he's going to forgive. And he's going to make something brand new in you. Because that night, Mike took a risk. And God met him at that place. And tonight, I'm going to ask you the same question. Just like we talked about the other night. Is your home a home worth running home to? And I know for many of you, it's like, oh, Darren, we've got this. And I know for some of you, that question kind of hurts. Because there's some stuff, there's some mess. Duncan and I were kind of talking about that today. We've had mess. And then this morning I asked the question, who's raising your kids? Are you a family first, God first, leadership focused family? Tonight, are you willing to take that risk? Knowing that for some of you, it's like, I've kind of heard this, but I've never done anything about it. And tonight you get to. It's called the gospel. And the gospel literally means good news. It's great news that we are loved and graced and forgiven. And we can't pay for it. But Jesus did. All we do is accept it and receive it. And so tonight, super simple. Just like Mike did that night and those students did that night, I'm just going to ask you to do something very simple and very profound. If tonight is your night, and tonight you're going to say, God, tonight's my night. I want to take that step of faith. I want to say yes to Jesus. I need a new start. And tonight I want to put a fork in the ground. I'm just going to ask you to stand up. We're not going to turn lights on. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. But I am going to ask you just to stand up right now and just to say yeah God tonight I'm going to take that risk tonight is that night would you just right where you're at just stand up to your feet let those around you know yeah tonight I'm taking that step Anybody?
Let's pray. Father God, tonight we just humbly want to say thank you. We want to thank you for your love, for your grace, for your mercy, and for your forgiveness. Father, thank you that we get do-overs with you. That those times, maybe during these 18 summers where we have stepped in it or, or, or made a mess of it, Father, as a parent or as a son, Father, that, that we can come to you. Just like the son in the story that Jesus told when he came home. And Father, thank you that that invitation for us is always open and always available. And Father, thank you that it's not something that we can try to impress you with and we cannot work for it and we cannot even earn it. All we can do is accept the free gift that you give to us. And Father, for so many of these, these families and these dads and these sons, Father, these grandsons and these granddads, Father, you have done such an amazing work in and through their lives. Father, would you just continue that work? There is so much to celebrate. Lord, even tomorrow morning as we, we bring all of this in for a landing with one last shot, the shot that we can take home with us. Father, I just pray that your presence would be so real and so amazing and so awesome. And we thank you that even tonight you are here with us, loving us and protecting us and guiding us. So Father, all the glory, all the glory, it goes to you because of who you are and because what you do on our behalf. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen.